0: Chat and uh, have some fun Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network
1: Amazon.com Where were you when Amazon.com became worth $1 trillion? We might find out today It's five buckaroos short of one trillion dollar market cap. There's more and more, and this is going to freak you out when I say this, there's more and more calls to break up the tech companies. That now Donald Trump is saying fake social. And you're like, what's that even mean? And it means exactly what you think. He's switching his track from fake news to fake social, stepping up his criticism of tech firms that he says are favoring liberal points of view, um, said that they may be in a very antitrust situation. So that's kind of a threat. And how would you like to be in the president's crosshairs of a threat? And it's a fair question. You can talk about pizza getting the big pizza turn, uh, deal with, the NFL, but as soon as the game starts to be played, and someone takes a knee, and the president overreacts, and next thing you know, it's Boycott Pizza Hut. I don't know. Trump is uh, reiterating his stance that tech companies are anti-social. Fake social. Fake social. And... If you're CEO of a company, all you got to do is take a look back at Microsoft in the 1990s, that getting Bill Gates in front of a microphone wasn't the best thing for the company Microsoft. Getting him testifying in front of Congress and saying, you know, and the European Union and Europe, and saying, you know, we just build great products, we just do what people want, and for them all to say, no, you're kind of an antitrust, you're killing competition, sorry. You don't want your executives in front of that. So that's out there. Dairy producer, Yakult Honcha. I know you're saying who? They they, they make a drink that's good for your belly. Um, They've been tied into a Netflix show. And because they get the mention frequency, their shares and usage has spiked after the release of Netflix movie and a majority of the conversations were directed related to interest in the product. Um, It's kind of crazy product placement, right? Um, So there's now a shortage because Americans are flocking to the drink that typically is pretty much so beloved in, in Asia. So that's kind of a way that you go, can, wait, wait, can Netflix possibly figure out an advertising angle? Sure. It's all about eyeballs, right? And even though they haven't done commercials as part of their business plan really built into it, it's always an option. Saw the coolest thing the other day, a 1932 Ford vehicle being towed with a Google Waymo vehicle. I'm like these guys have got to be coming back from a trade show. Or maybe they're coming back from Burning Man because it's just it's too weird of a a first generation kind of vehicle with a brand new generation. So, anyhow, um that brings me to Tesla. And I'll be honest with you, I'm getting a little tired of Tesla. You're seeing things like Elon Musk from Tesla says that they've missed production because a competitor got into their factories and put malware in their robots. And you're like, oh, okay. And then Elon Musk has said that he can't possibly not live life without being totally in love. And you're like, wait, wait, what's that have to do with cars? And then Elon Musk says that he can go save those boys in the caves. With a personal submarine. And some people are like, you, did Elon Musk, do you think he put those kids in the cave so he can come out and say that? Like, it's pretty weird. I saw the, the kids in the Thailand cave, and I go, geez, I can't even, you know, I can swim, but I can't help that one. I didn't feel the need to come up with a personal submarine kind of angle. So Tesla shares are expected to drop 30% in the next six months due to increased competition. And I think some people are really starting to worry that Elon Musk is not a great uh, Steve Jobs was considered a great salesperson he was considered a great you know you gotta see this and finally let me show you one more thing did I show you the inside of my jacket let me show you the inside of my jacket and there's like a mirror in there and suddenly you're hypnotized Musk is one of those and those can only get a company so far if you can't deliver the product so Goldman Sachs Day is saying Tesla shares could drop 30% in the next six months Due to increased competition. Now Tesla had kind of a head start in electric sales, electric car sales, but we just saw the Tesla of China go public, and they've got a lot of orders for electric cars. And whether they can deliver or not is kind of a you know question mark. But one analyst says Tesla, you know, he sees electronic vehicle launches from you know traditional. Uh, car companies and other startup companies as, you know, the pressure is going to lead to competitors catching up and regional mandates and tightening of carbon dioxide standards. um, It's, it's kind of pushing all the competition into Tesla's world of, aren't we the cool guys? AMD today. And so again, one analyst is 30% lower on Tesla and I don't own shares of Tesla. And I've never run a Tesla. I miss the whole run-up, but I'm going to miss the whole run-down um, until someone buys them and puts them out of their misery because they're now going to have a tough time raising cash, even though they say they don't need to raise cash. Um, they're just burning too much of it, so I don't see how the math adds up. Samsung's going to unveil a foldable smartphone later this year and say, you need a foldable smartphone. Will it become the next 3D TV that's a flop? I swear to you. I swear. Isn't that a little upsetting that the next big innovation, in smartphones, is a foldable phone? Sweet. I know, I know, I know. You've been saying ever since I was a little kid, I wanted a foldable phone. Samsung's releasing its uh, foldable phone later this year, and the question is, will this be a ooh ah, say ooh ah, say ooh ah, kind of moment for Samsung oh. as they try to like compete with Apple? Um, so there's rumors about it, time to deliver, so says the analyst. and, um, I don't know. You can use most of the uses, or you can, I don't get it, when you need to browse or see something, then you may need to unfold it, but if you just want to take a look at, like, if someone's calling, you can do that. I don't know, I smell 3D TV on the foldable technology. What was that all about? They're trying to sell us something that we don't really need at a higher price for uniqueness of a device. Um, I just don't get that one. Sorry. 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 Uh, sorry. Another one out there is AMD. Their shares have been probably the coolest, most exciting story of 2018, if you're not talking about the company's marches to trillion dollars with Apple and Amazon. AMD is ready to beat Intel to market with a faster chip for the first time in a long time, if not ever. And the stock is already up 144% this year. Some analysts see another 10% gain. Easy. Last year at this time, when the cryptocurrency craze was going on, AMD was sexy, and then they weren't. And now they've got a new chip that's faster, so they're sexy. Stock could easily flirt with thirty dollars and break through it. Intel's delayed ten nanometer roadmap uh, to push back into second half of 2019 opens the door. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube a Show.
0: making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm
1: Rob Black talking money investing more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. A lot of talk in financial media today about breaking up the big tech companies and tech regulation. I think it's fair to say we'll lower their valuations so if that were to happen. Now, again, is it a good thing? I don't have an opinion on that. There's other radio shows and television shows that will tell you how to think politically. I'll tell you the ramification that I think if you put sanctions on... An economy, it, it slows the economy. And I think if you put sanctions on a company, it slows the company. it a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. But Amazon owns the Washington Post, and sometimes the Washington Post says some less than flattering things about El Presidente. And he gets angry about it. So is he going after Amazon and saying it's an antitrust issue, or is he going after Amazon because they've said some not-so-nice things? In the United States, Ford Motor reported a 4% rise in U.S. auto sales in August, helped by demand for sport utility vehicles and pickup trucks. Sport utility and pickup trucks are big profit makers for the car companies. Other than that, they make their profits on things like uh, financing, upsells. So I'm not a car guy as far as an investor goes. I just... It's never been my thing. PG&E is in the news now. Stock's been raised to an outperformance up 5% today. Basically saying last year's wildfires in California are behind it. Whoa. Whoa. Right? Um... There's a big hurricane threatening the Gulf, and oil prices are tightening and going higher. And you get a situation like PGE basically, their financials are starting to look better as they move past last year's wildfires. And you're like, do people really invest that way? Yeah. So, yeah. Two of the biggest utilities in California are gaining relief from damage incurred when their power lines ignite blazes. So you can you could invest off disasters, and sometimes cut some risk. You know Kaepernick coming back to Nike as an advertising spokesman for the Just Do It 30th anniversary. He's still been there. I mean, he's you know he signed a contract with them that you know still being honored, and now they're developing a new ad campaign that's got people upset and there's the risk. And I like buying when stocks are lower if it's a company that I really, really want to buy. Now PG&E is not a company that I really, really want to buy but living in Northern California, I can tell you, a lot of people hate the company because you see these crazy commercials of like happy-go, happy PG&E employees talking about how they love their work and then you see In the news, guys, houses burnt down because PG&E line. It's a pretty divisive company here, for better and or for worse. Uh, So PG&E in the news. And it's a winner. Interesting, right? The things that drive stocks into being the winners is sometimes not the things that you would assume. Facebook's getting a downgrade to neutral today for buy. A lot of people see that Facebook's spinning up. Excuse me, I want to use a dirty word, but I can't. A lot Behave ton yourself. of money for capital expenditures. So there, something's going on, and they're not telling us, so some analysts are starting to get nervous of what happens if nothing's going on. UPS hired today after being upgraded to strong buy from Market Perform at Raymond James. UPS is in the crosshairs of Amazon because they both do package delivery, right? And I think UPS is a fine company. I think it's something that you should consider for your portfolio because there's not a lot of competition. And I once went into a UPS store. I think I was getting something notarized. And I saw this guy freak out. He lost his, I want to say the dirty word again. But I'll behave myself before she tells me to. That is not appropriate behavior, okay? And Mr. Mackey got me. Mr. Mackey got me. But he lost his stuff because to ship like a guitar that he wanted to, you know, make sure it was extra safe to a son in college, and it was 170 bucks or something. And it was like that did feel a little high to me. And he, he just he started screaming at the person. No
0: God, please no, no, no.
1: And he basically. Take your business elsewhere or pay our prices. And FedEx ain't going to be much better, is the thought. UPS has a 2.9% dividend yield, and they don't have a lot of competition. And when I see that little brown truck in front of my home during the holidays, I'm like, hmm, someone got me a gift. And it turns out to be like addressed to the wrong address. And then you get that, that moral dilemma of like, what if you get a packaged address to someone and it's the wrong address, but it's the right anniversary. It's the right, you know, uh, address, but the wrong name, or it's the wrong right name, but the wrong address. Have you ever had that feeling? Like, I wonder if I should open it and see see what see what my neighbors are ordering. Wow! Did I just say that live on air? I want to know what my uh, neighbors are ordering. I do. I do. Wow. I could you imagine if you get a chance to see CFP, um, Chad Burkins, if you got to see his, like, Amazon list, you'd be like, whoa, that changed my life. That changed my world. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about so factory activity races to a 14-year high in August. Um, and we'll see a higher stock market next year in large part because the employment numbers are solid. Prudential is launching a consumer direct insurance investing and service. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, insurance agents. Prudential's going straight to consumers with its insurance and investment products for the first time in its 143-year history. The direct consumer service marks a sea change for an insurance company that's the largest in the United States for life insurance. They manage 1.4 trillion. I'm not a big fan of insurance companies. It's a lot of mathematical formulas, and yes, you have to have some insurance in your life, like homeowner's insurance, yes. For renter's insurance, yes. auto insurance, yes. But life insurance is one of the products that you can make a major mistake if you go for an annuity, if you go for variable life, or if you go for whole life insurance. Those three words should, you know, put the critical caution flag in your head and say, why did Rob tell me not to get those? Come see me in a seminar, I'll tell you. And, uh, of course, I'll talk about it on air because I can't keep anything a secret, right? Big seminar coming up in Los Gatos, the Toll House Hotel, September 20th, thirty, eight thirty. It's one of our last seminars of the year, me and CFP Chad Burton. You can find us online at you can sign up for the seminar at Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show. Use code RADIO25 to get in for free.
0: Visit Rob Black online at RobBlack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM
2: 1220 KDOW. Summer's over. No Patrick.
1: Long live fall. 800 516 calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. The markets are kind of interesting, right? I hope you've learned that. Starting to see some analysts come out with predictions for 2019, one of them up 11%. As we head into the fall, and Labor Day has concluded, Uh, most of the summer fun's over, but Wall Street will pick up the slack and give us some fun on occasion, right? Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. Talk about the markets as it shifts into the fall gear. Is that a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Mr. O'Hare, how are you?
2: Hey, Rob. I'm doing okay. Good to be back with you.
1: Yeah, are you, are you full force like everyone else coming back from the holiday weekend?
2: We are. The uh, The fun is over.
1: <laughs> the fun is over. The fun on the market. When's that party going to end? When's the punch bowl going to leave the party? When should I head for the exits?
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that is the $64,000 question. Well, it certainly looks like the... Uh, the fun isn't ready to be over with just yet um you know the market well it continues to tackle with all of the trade issues obviously um and some budding you know emerging market currency issues uh you know continues to be steered by the narrative that you have strong earnings and economic growth, and I think you could see that reflected even in today's intraday action here, where you know you got off to a weak start. Uh, some general profit-taking, and, of course, the the ostensible excuse for that was the the trade tension with Canada and China, which... You know, we've been dealing with for months as it is already, and yet we hit record highs last week. Um, so that provided a nice excuse to sort of back off a little bit at the open, and then lo and behold, you got a a really terrific ISM manufacturing index number uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern time, which turned things around a little bit, at least helped temper those selling efforts, and and I think it was a reflection of the market's uh, appreciation for data that continues to show the relative strength of the U.S. economy, which continues to promote this notion that uh, you should continue to get uh, ongoing earnings growth, and therefore you've got some support here still for the broader market.
1: So thank you for giving that answer, and please note, and everyone note, I'm being a little sarcastic when I'm looking for an exact time to run out of the markets. Um, It just doesn't work that way, as we like to say on this show. Uh, Are you excited by the... Transition of the, the calendar to the fall and some of the drama that it can bring with the markets tending to have some pretty scary months of September and October.
2: Well, you know it, it is uh, interesting. You know that I guess you can back up though and and say what you know what's that adage that you sell in May and go away, uh, right. and that certainly didn't uh, hmm. benefit anybody who <laughs> who belong the market. Uh, the stock market had a tremendous run. Uh, you know, if you just look at that measurement period from the start of May until uh, until last Friday. Um, yeah, September. You know, to, has one of those. Uh, it's one of those months that you know has some scary falls uh, embedded in it. As is October. Um, but you know, seasonally, you're, you're you're running closer to a period that is seasonally quite strong for the market. That November to April period, but. Uh, uh, that'll be curious this year, though, certainly, because uh, you have the midterm elections. You know, they're going to come in that uh, first week in November, uh, and that's going to um, change things one way or another. You know, you can't predict the future here, but I think that knowing that that midterm election is hanging out there and how it could alter uh, the course of things, uh, you, you probably. Get a market here that's a little bit skittish after such a strong run here uh, over the summer months, uh, maybe acts a little skittishly and and chops around here up until those midterm elections and until it has some closure on on what the uh, composition of Congress is going to look like in the aftermath.
1: Sounds about right. What are you expecting as far as the drama goes with the midterm elections? because you know clearly senators and congressmen uh, representatives. They, they they form a lot of the bills. They form a lot of the spending going forward. And I think we all look at our spending in the United States as dire, drastic, horrific. Why are we doing this to future generations? And yet, you know, we continue to swear these people in and vote them in, so to speak.
2: Well, you know, I guess, you know, the past has been a prelude in, in a way uh, because you you, you have had that same I'm not saying you rob I'm saying that. it seems to be the narrative sure. though it, with every congress right is that you know we keep stealing from future generations and yet there's no end to it uh and and partly because there has been no immediate calamity if you will uh as as a result of it and so you know the market kind of has its this way about looking through those uh those very good arguments you know um that uh, there's going to be a price to pay obviously at some point um but you know this market has uh steered its way through a lot of worst case scenarios um and there's been you know perhaps even some moral hazard introduced into the picture obviously from what transpired coming out of that financial crisis but um you know, but there hasn't been any deliberate will on the part of Congress, obviously, and our our executive leadership to really get that uh, you know deficit and under control and help tame the um, the seemingly inexorable rise in the in the national debt. And um, you know, unfortunately, it's going to be probably one of those things where it's going to really uh, it, you know everyone can see it unfolding, but no one's going to recognize it until it actually happens and hits the market with with some force uh, as it relates to the deficit and debt issue. And, and, um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how how Congress looks uh, after those midterm elections and and how that might change the shape of things and whether the market is going to show any sensitivity to it.
1: It's interesting times, to say the least. Uh, We have, obviously, Warren Buffett turning 88 and getting a lot of press and a lot of media recently. I think he's one of the greatest investors of all time. He's someone I fought when I got into this industry 20-plus years ago, that I could be smarter than him, but he said the greatest thing the other day in, the, in an interview, and he still surprises me. He said, it's, I don't know when to buy, I just know what to buy. Stocks. And I'm like, good for you. He's got some zest to him. Um, any thoughts on Warren Buffett and what he's meant to you over your career?
2: Well, I mean, how do how do you really argue with him? If you I mean if you really hold yourself up to the virtue of being a long term investor, uh there's no better source I think than, than Warren Buffett in terms of his outlook on, you know, future growth for both the economy, the US economy and and the US stock market and and um you know my recollection that he says that he doesn't know when to buy, he knows whether to buy and 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 that's and he's still buying today you know and so he's still uh kind of define those models that say you know kind of how you do that balance you know like as you get older you know the, the the proportion of your portfolio that's allocated to bonds you know goes up uh, allocated to stocks goes down, and, you know, a lot of people end up with like a 60-40 mix maybe later. Well, he's sitting there saying, you know, he'd be comfortable at 90% stocks, 10% bonds, right? So uh, somewhat of uh, unconventional wisdom there, but clearly he's got a track record that uh, that demonstrates for all to see uh, the the. the of, of patience and long-term investing, and not trying to time the market, and investing in businesses and not just buying stocks. And um, you know, so I have a true appreciation for his uh, investing acumen and, and his really common sense perspective on how to uh, how to look at the stock market. Good
1: stuff. Um... Changing the topic and looking at 2019, uh, a lot of people are starting to talk about emerging markets. How would you explain investing in emerging markets to your readers as well as, say, your family members?
2: Well, you know, you, you can always start with with uh, the understanding that emerging markets generally have higher growth rates uh, than um, than developed markets, right? Because um, yep. they're emerging, and uh, but. Uh, and so they oftentimes can produce higher returns for investors, but at the same time they carry higher risk because it's kind of like a new company coming public in a way. You know, is that there's a lot of promise in the in the story, but uh, not a lot of um, operating history, if you will. That uh, that kind of mitigates some of that that risk. But with emerging markets, um, we have seen through history how they go through spurts of really tremendous outperformance, and then there's some usually an external factor that uh, kind of recalibrates things. And in this case, we'd be talking about the stronger dollar, which uh, is a negative for emerging markets that, you know, might be running current account deficits uh, and have a lot of dollar-denominated debt, because that then makes it more expensive to repay that debt. Uh, and and then a dollar, stronger dollar, tends to weigh on commodity prices, which are often the, the fulcrum of growth in many of these emerging markets. And so so that, that really becomes a linchpin, in a way, the, the, the dollar's behavior uh, for what could happen with emerging markets. And, of course, you've got a Federal Reserve that looks as if they're going to continue to tighten, which should continue to help drive up interest rates here in the United States and, and be supportive for the dollar. So it is a risk factor that one needs to account for as we look at the 2019 outlook.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for joining us, and let's have a good fall and move into the holiday season. (laughs) I know it happens fast. You are the one, the only Patrick O'Hare. You are with Briefing.com. I start my day every day reading your stuff at uh, the Briefing Professional subscription. Uh, People can find out more at Briefing.com. The page one article is the best start of the day for anyone looking into, figuring out what's going to happen on the markets today. Lots of content. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Show. Com.
0: We are just you out. We are just you out. We will keep you out. We are your We are your Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
1: KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money, investing, more. i got a big event coming up September 20th. (coughs) A seminar, if you will in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. You can sign up at Rob Black Show. Going to go over some of the new tax implications, because I don't know what the heck is going on with the Trump tax cuts and my property in California, and my tax bracket, is it a win or is it a loss? We're going to talk about how to approach that. Um, Estate planning in retirement, wealth preservation in retirement, stay away from annuities, good advice out there. But I'm also going to go over 2019 expectations and stocks that I've recently bought and some that I've sold or given up on over time. Uh, one of them is Nike. What do you do with Nike when they come out and I, am I saying do the right thing? Am I wrong when I assume they're doing the right thing by using the athlete that they signed, uh, Colin Kaepernick, in an ad campaign right before the NFL starts up? Nike shares taking a little bit of beating on that news. I own shares of Nike. Shares are down two bucks today, two twenty. It's at eighty dollars a share. It opened at eighty two dollars a share. Dividend yield is one percent. So, how often do you get a chance to buy a stock three percent off? That's like going into your grocery store and the the guy says, "I'm going to give you five percent off today." How do you feel about that? And you're like, "Sure." Um, so, Nike's lower today, all because of Colin Kaepernick and nike coming up with an ad campaign was it is this Nike's way of pissing off the president like it does bring up some questions right because in this world that we live in nike had to know that a new ad campaign featuring colin kaepernick might be poorly received and there's this hashtag nike boycott going around which I'm a little bit, here's where I'm at with this. I'm a little bit tired of, like, let's boycott things that we don't politically agree with. I'm thrilled that people are boycotting in an out Burger because they happen to be giving money to Republican candidates. Because now the lines are a lot shorter. <laughs> no, that's not why I'm, I, I'm getting a little bit tired of this. It's like, let's boycott something, anything that we don't believe in. Until we don't, until we go, you know what? These Nike shoes are pretty cheap, and they are pretty high quality in the world's shares. And I know people, some, uh, some people cringe when you say Nike's high quality, because it's, anyway. Um, so Nike shares down on the reveal of a new ad with a just-do-it 30th anniversary. I look at that as a buying opportunity. Two and a half percent, maybe not enough. But if we get five ten percent, that's good enough for me. Kaepernick shared the first photo of the campaign on his Twitter account. He's been a pull-out rising figure, clearly, since uh, the protest of racial injustice has crossed into the world of, you're not American. So, little NFL in the news. There's more NFL in the news, can you believe it? So, Nike to me, if you could afford to be like a Halftime sponsor like Visa, it might be a good investment, right? And if you think about that, when you turn on your favorite baseball or tele-football and you see the sponsors, Visa halftime report, I'll buy Visa. Um, I'll buy the companies that do sponsor major sports in large part because they have that kind of money. Now, again, I'm not saying that's the only reason I'll buy it. I'm not saying that there's a reason I would sell it if they lost that said the NFL sponsorship. But it tells you that they're hitting a lot of eyeballs, and business is good. Papa John's loss of the NFL sponsorship could be Pizza Hut's gain. Will I go out and buy Yum! Brands? I won't. I've never liked Yum! Brands. Um, they are KFC. They are Bar- um uh, They are... Um, Pizza Hut and to me Yum Brands has kind of been like I don't know it's just Kentucky Fried Chicken's cute and it's great to talk about because everyone knows it and you've probably been to a picnic where you stopped by and picked up a bucket of chicken in your life so you kind of like have some nostalgia for it so when Pizza Hut gets that sponsorship it could be a breakout play on dents. it could be you know Papa John's getting sacked or benched, yeah, yeah,, uh, but when you see a big competitor like a Papa John's, and if you ever had a Papa John's pizza, it's it's pretty awful, and yet you could see like ooh NFL sponsorship and stocked it well, so why is this so important because Men, 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 we are men. We like to sit around and eat cheap pizza while talking to the dudes, the guys, the bros about football games. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Apparently, that's as far as we we go mentally in this world. Um, But I'm fine with that. And the whole Papa John's, John Shatner, Papa John is suing Papa John's. Oh, my goodness. I'm done with that one, too. All right that's a brand that's tarnished and toxic. How do you get out of that one? When your founder is accused of using the N-word, and then he says, well, I was just trying to show people what, how it could, oh, I'm gonna sue everyone. Uh, So that's kind of a problem. So what's really at stake? Why is Pizza Hut spending $130 million to spruce up its brand? it's if you get a percentage of the the pizza market you're talking about millions and millions hundreds of millions of dollars dominos the phones would start ringing at like 10:30 on an nfl day on the east coast so 7:30 on the west coast but the phone would start ringing crazy pizza and football go together you can find me online at robblackshow.com <laughs>